Hey friends, it's Michelle. Before we dive into today's interview, I wanted to let you know that I've opened up my coaching calendar to take on a couple of private clients. If you could use some accountability, some support, somebody who's got your back to help you achieve your goals and dreams, I would love the opportunity to talk to you to see if we are a good fit. I'm offering a 30-minute free consultation, which you can access over at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash contact. You'll see a coaching tab. Simply fill out that form, hit submit, and I'll be back to you with my calendar to set up a free consultation. It'll be 30 minutes for us to talk about what your goals and dreams are, where you're stuck, and how I might be able to support you, whether those are life goals or maybe you want to get your own podcast out in the world, get your voice out in the world. I also offer podcast coaching. So head on over to thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash contact. And on that page again, you'll see the coaching tab. Just fill out that information and I'll be back to you to set up the free consultation. Okay, on that note, let's get into the show. Here we go. You know, this notion as you start to I recognize the notion of accountability as choice and ownership. I think for most people that's freeing and it's empowering. Yes. But it's also sobering because it means that, you know, the consequences I'm experiencing in my life to a large degree are based on the choices I've made. And when I look at some of that, that makes me feel good. Right? I'm like, sweet. Yeah. But there's other areas that don't look the way I want them to look. I'm not experiencing the things I want to experience. And those are the areas that it's hard to say, okay. Look, the other thing about accountability is not about blame. So it's not about looking at those situations going, oh, I'm at fault for that. It's just yeah. saying, okay, if I want to experience something different in this area, I've got to make different choices. I've got to show up differently. And so the, the challenge with that is when we do that, there's a price to pay in the moment, right? It's the, it's the heavy lifting in the moment because the benefits don't come till down the road. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest challenges with applying accountability in any year of your life is it's this delayed gratification yes. in a society that is all about instant gratification. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I'm thrilled for today's conversation. We're going to be talking about accountability, which I think is so important. And this is a little bit of a different take on it than I had thought about before connecting with today's author and guest, who is Brian Moran. He's the president and founder of the 12-week year, who has 30 plus years of experience and expertise as a corporate executive, entrepreneur, consultant, and coach. He is a recognized expert in the field of leadership and execution and his realization that most people don't lack ideas, but struggle with effective implementation led him to the development of the 12-week year. And Brian, you are on talking about the 12-week year. Um, you That was a New York Times bestselling book. And now you are here to talk about your latest book, Uncommon Accountability, A Radical New Approach to Greater Success and Fulfillment. 
Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's great to be back with you. Yeah, I'm really excited. I um, loved your book. It's fantastic. Um, But I do have to just tell you that I have um, replayed the 12 week year interview that we did together yeah. every around every new year because I think it's so powerful and yeah. I can't tell you how it's one of the most popular episodes we've done on this on oh, the show awesome. and good. the feedback I get every time I mean I've had people go this has been life changing bought the book gifted awesome. the book uh, helped solve a problem that I couldn't figure out like life-changing. And so I love the way that you approach concepts because, you know, the 12 week year, when you read what you've discovered and you teach and you, you know, you coach around with corporations, it makes sense. But you, you pulled this together with your um, business partner, Michael Lennington, and now you've come up with this new, it's not new. I mean, accountability, but uncommon accountability, but in a way I hadn't thought about it before. So I thought it'd be great to just start like, first of all, why, why this book? Why now, you know, did something within your practice kind of trigger this? this yeah. New, yeah. New great, book? great question. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a couple chapters, shorter chapters in the 12 week year on accountability and, yeah. and Michael and I have had a different view of accountability, much like we have a different view of, of planning and executing, right? No one had ever challenged the notion of a, anything other than an annual environment until we came along with the 12 week year. And and we found that accountability is kind of the same. You know, there's this prevailing notion of accountability um, that isn't productive and doesn't work, but it's what everybody holds. And and Michael and I first put out a different point of view in the 12 week year. And the more we worked with that, the more people said, hey, we want more of that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it was time for us to, we had a lot more to say on it. So it was time for us to put out an entire book just on that, because I think it, it's such a foundational principle in living a productive life, living the best life you're capable of. Yes. And and it undergirds it undergirds ex- execution and high performance. And so yeah, we we were excited to get more out there on it. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad. And you did write um, you know, that accountability, it's the power and personal choice we have with every interaction. And that was just something I was thinking about as I was reading it. Um, let's start with a foundational definition of because you write. Uh, you know, this is uncommon accountability. You know, what are we talking about here? So we, as we have this conversation, everyone's kind of on the same page with us. Yeah, I think, you know, for most people, the way they've experienced accountability and the way the prevailing notion of it is affiliated with um, negative consequences, right? It's how we experience it. And so we assume that accountability and consequences are one and the same. And yet intuitively, I think people also know that to be successful, you got to be accountable. So how do you reconcile that? And, and as we've worked with the concept, you know, we came to the realization that accountability isn't consequences at all. And, and so we talk about, we redefine it, accountability as ownership. And it's based on this notion of free will choice, that we always have choice, no matter what the situation. Um, doesn't mean we're going to like the choices, right? <laughs> I like to joke in the States here, April 15th rolls around, you can pay your taxes, go to prison. <laughs> right. I don't think either one of those. But you still have choice. And it's that right. recognition of choice in every area and then taking ownership of that. Yeah. Consequences play a role. But in the end, you know, Michael and I would argue that we choose our consequences by the choices we make every day. Yeah. Uh, and I completely agree with that. Um, you know, you write, we often tell our clients, show me your daily actions and I can predict your future. If you want to know what your health, relationships, career, and income will look like in three years from now, look at your daily actions. And I thought that was brilliant. And um, just, you know, 
I think it's easy to be stuck in our patterns and not end up moving the needle. I mean, you know, you talk about mindset in your first book. We talked about it in that first interview. I know you think mindset is everything. I believe that too, that mindset is so critical. But how do you begin to restructure things to get what you desire? I mean, how do you start applying this? Because I think, you know, oftentimes we have good intentions, but we're not actually seeing them through. So how do yeah. we align our, those choices and our intentions so that we are accountable? Because it's so easy to take the easy route. Like you said, it's just so easy to yeah. fall back on what's comfortable. Right, right. And it, it is so much mindset. I think most of life is between the years. And and so having having the right mindset is, is really critical. And how you think of, about accountability matters, right? It, yes. it affects everything from your health to your relationships, your income, your happiness. And so, you know, this notion as you start to um, uh, recognize the notion of accountability as choice and ownership, I think for most people that's freeing and it's empowering. Yes. Uh, but it's also sobering because it means that, you know, the consequences I'm experiencing in my life to a large degree are based on the choices I've made. And and when I look at some of that, that makes me feel good. Right? I'm like, sweet. Yeah. But there's other areas that don't look the way I want them to look. I'm not experiencing the things I want to experience. And those are the areas that it's hard to say, okay, look, it, it, the, the other thing about accountability is not about blame. So it's not about looking at those situations going, oh, I'm at fault for that. It's just yeah. saying, okay, if I want to experience something different in this area, I've got to make different choices. I've got to show up differently. Yes. And and so the, the challenge with that is when we do that, there's a price to pay in the moment, right? It's the, it's the heavy lifting in the moment uh, because the benefits don't come till down the road. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest challenges with applying accountability in any year of your life is it's this delayed gratification yes. in a society that is all about instant gratification. That's so, that is, it's so true, but, you know, you discuss in the book, you know, there's a whole chapter on victim mindset. Um, and, you know, I'm curious, do people know when they're in victim mindset? Do they know when they're not being accountable? You know what I mean? Like how yeah, aware, cause right, even right. as I was reading your book, I was like thinking about different areas of my life. And I'm like, am I playing the victim in certain ways that I'm actually not aware of? Like, how do you create that awareness? Is it just paying attention more? Not, you know, like having this yeah. feeling going, wait a sec. Oh, wait, maybe I, maybe I thought I was being accountable, <laughs> right. but I'm really not. Like, wait a minute. Oh, right. I've got the victim glasses on, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I got to change these glasses. I actually like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's a great insight because it, it's really easy to spot it in other people. Yes. <laughs> it's harder to spot it in yourself. Yes. Yes. And, and there's degrees of it too. So, so the more you understand accountability is ownership and the accountable mindset versus a victim mindset, you'll start to notice yourself being a victim, but it's, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm automatically accountable in every area. I mean, it's okay. just, there's because of that trade-off, right? The trade-off is I got to pay a price for that in the moment. And sometimes it's easier not to be accountable to, to shift blame or to look outside myself. Um, so it is a matter of just being more aware of it. Yeah. And then, you know, when, especially when you're in areas that you're not experiencing what you want, yeah, because those are the times that, you know, it's easy to go, well, it's because of this, or it's because of that and, and look outside yourself. And that's when it's tough to turn it inside and say, okay, so whether that's true or not, right. If I want, if I want the situation to change, the only thing I can control is me and the choices I make. I don't control anything else. Yeah. So let me start there. 
and see if there's some different things I might be willing to do to affect the situation. Yeah. And it seems like our lives are giving us clues all the time. So even if we're not, maybe we are walking around with those victim glasses, if we just take them off and go, oh yeah, well, maybe my finances aren't really where they should be. So what what role am I playing in that? Or my health isn't, you know, I keep talking about working out and getting stronger, but what am I doing every day? Um, You write on page 53, there's just, you know, a few different examples. I'm just going to read briefly, because I think this was really helpful. It says victim versus ownership mindsets. And there's just a table and you said successful people, you know, as, as, and as as an example. So a victim mindset is they got lucky. They had the right connections. They started with advantages. They know the right people. They cheated. They don't deserve their success, right? I mean, I think that's spot on. And then the ownership mindset is, I don't know what made them successful, but I control my thinking and actions. And those are what's going to make me successful. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Very different scenario, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, one is totally giving up your power to be successful. It's like, you know, they just got lucky or they, you know, had good breaks or cheated somebody or whatever, which is, you know, none of that happens to me. So it's this really passive surrendering mindset that says, look, I'm just, I'm just this cork sort of bobbing on the ocean of life and wherever I go, I go. And the accountable mindset is completely different than that. It's 180 degrees that says, you know, I don't control everything, but, you know, I still have everything I need to live the best life I can when I start looking at the choices I have in the situation. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do see successful people in business or whatever, fitness, you know, fitness or something. They think, oh, well, not fitness. I fitness people clearly have worked for that, but in business. But sometimes um, they do, they go, oh, they had good genetics or they had, you true. know. True. That's true. Right. That is true, actually. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. you think, oh, well, you know, they're just lucky or they, right. They, they didn't have to work for that. Or, you know, if, right. If I, yeah. uh, if I had that genetics, I, I could look like that too. And it's not taking ownership. One thing that I was thinking about the whole time I was reading about it is, you know, as a coach myself, you know, I always think about how critical accountability is to get people to, to achieve their goals and having a partnership in accountability is so helpful, but a lot of what you're talking about is really self-directed and self-motivated. Um, I don't know if you've ever done Myers-Briggs, um, you know, the assessment. Okay. So, um, I'm a perceiver. And so I know, so for example, for me, one of the things that gives me accountability is a deadline. So a lot of things in life don't have a deadline. Um, we know that they're important, but there's no, there's no fire being lit under us. Like I have a presentation I have to do next week. I've carved out time for it. Um, but my college year, my college self for, you know, would have done it the night before, you know (laughs) what I mean? It's only because that's kind of how I'm hardwired. How do you reconcile that? Because, you know, if you're not the type, if you don't have those deadlines, should you get the help? Should you get the coach? Or is it something you really have to start cultivating within yourself? You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm all for getting help. Okay. You know, why go it alone? Why go it alone? If there's, if it, like, for instance, if I'm struggling with working out, then hire a trainer, find a workout buddy, right? Don't, don't go it alone. Mm. And um, it's still, it's still my journey. I still have to make the choices, but let me set up my environment, knowing my weaknesses so that more times than not, I'm going to choose what's productive. Yeah. And, and, you know, with the 12 week year, that's what we do in terms of process control is insert some things into the environment to help you, right. Execute more consistently. You, you, you notice there's weekly deadlines in the 12 week year. There's a reason for that. And it's yeah. probably why you gravitate towards it yes. <laughs> because it, because it works. <laughs> and so, 
you know, set up your environment, set up the system, set up the processes that support you, especially in the areas where you know you're going to be a little weaker. And, and the tendency is to not choose the productive choices. Yeah. It was funny you, you just said that actually, too, because I was thinking the 12 week year combined with this is like the roadmap to a happy, healthy, successful life. You know, structuring yeah. it with the 12 week year based on your intentions. And, you know, putting, taking off those victim glasses and getting, getting moving. Um, one of my favorite chapters in the book, um, Brian, was where you were talking about holding ourselves accountable and you share a lot of personal experiences, like really personal experiences. Um, and you cover four key areas, um, that apply to everyone, health, career, relationships, and finances. Um, would you share, you know, why it's so important? Why is it so important to be accountable with giving an example from maybe one of the ones you shared either? I think finances or health are one that really, you know, people most relate to. Um, would you be willing to share from sure, what you sure. talked about in the book? Yeah. But I mean, I think those four key areas are all areas that most people want to do well in. Yep. Um, and, and yet it's really easy also in those areas to have the victim glasses on. Right. I just haven't had the breaks. I didn't get the, you know, I didn't get the promotion. She did that kind of stuff and looking yeah. outside yourself. And yeah. um, I think I shared in the book, you know, when the recession hit and I don't know, was it eight or nine or something like that? I mean, we literally lost everything. Our, our business, we had, we were doing business with large clients and they were big projects and we were a small group. So we didn't have a lot of them teed up because we couldn't service them. And then when that recession hit, everybody put everything on hold. And so all our business dried up and there's a long tail to selling those things because they're, you know, in corporations, you got to get everybody to agree. And it's like an 18 month selling cycle in some cases. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, we, we were, we were faced with um, no revenue. And, and as we started to, you know, go through our savings and stuff like that, it, long story short, we lost everything. I mean, they came, I lost my car, I lost my house, and I owe the IRS 120 grand. <laughs> you know? So stressful. It my was God. really rough. And, you know, some of that looking back was the choices we made, right? It was easier in the moment to spend the money and we'll save later. And so we had savings, but we didn't have enough. And, and um, you know, so that was a difficult lesson. And instead of looking outside myself and going, well, you know, the other people that weathered that better, you know, they just got lucky or their business didn't get hit as hard. Right. You know, Judy and I took a hard look and said, look, you know, we've got it. We've got to make different choices. And, and, and it came back to, we need to be willing to put off some of the pleasure in the moment, right. To be, to be where we want to be financially in the future. And, and that's still a challenge because, you know, oftentimes you'll get a spouse, one's a spender, one's a saver. Judy and I are both spenders. So, <laughs> so it's, it is still a, it's still a challenge, and um, but it's one that we're mindful of, and we've done a lot better with having had. You know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but we we went through it, and uh, you know, it strained our marriage, it strained our family, yeah. um, and uh, anyone who be has been through that knows what that's like. It's not. I mean, there's so much uncertainty, and we didn't know where we were going to live, and. God was gracious. We landed on this farm. We rented. It was it was just a blessing to us. And from there, we recovered. And um, but really used the concept of accountability in a twelve week year to recover. And we recovered really quickly with God's grace. And uh, but yeah, some some hard lessons there for sure. Absolutely, that must have been 
a really challenging time. And I could imagine the stress it put on your relationship and with your family. I mean, finances, if you can't pay the bills or you're in debt, you just wake up feeling like a cloud over your head every day. And, yeah. you know, so can you just, you know, how, how did you move through that? How did you, cause in 36 months you were back. I mean, it was, it was small steps, right? I mean, this it is, you small know, small steps. Yeah. yeah. And so Michael and I had the choice of, look, do we, do we fold the business and right. go do something else? Or yeah. Because you could have said, let's just get a job instead of right. continuing. That's right. also hard decisions. Yeah. It was a very hard decision. And, and but we looked at it and we said, you know, um, our biggest opportunity is still with our own business. And and that's where we're going to have the greatest degree of control. So if we're willing to pivot and do some things differently, you, you know, we came to the conclusion, let's let's exhaust that first before we now now the risk there is you go through that nothing changes now you're in, in worse shape yeah. right so um so it was a tough decision but that's the decision we made we we bet on ourselves instead of betting on somebody else wow and and really had to make some difficult changes in the business had to pivot like a lot of people have and and then and now really, with the virus and what happened to right the way yeah, companies yeah. are operating totally different yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Right. I do speaking when the virus hit that business went away. Right. Completely. Yeah. Again. And that's, you know, I I think that's just part of life and with the rapid pace of change, it's going to be more the norm than it is the exception. Hopefully not so extreme as as what we went through, um, you know, 09 and 10 and that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, there was, there were just tough decisions and it was one step at a time. Okay, what are we going to? So that's where the twelve week year really applied. What what are we going to focus on for this twelve weeks? And let's just let's just put our heads down and execute that stuff, and then see where we're at as we go along. Um, and that's what we did. And we so we had to change the way we did business. We had to go to a different. Uh, we had to go to market different. We had to package our things differently. Um, and and the uncertainty was, you know, will it work or not? And you know. It did. So yeah, we, here you are many, many years later. Yeah. Because yeah. you said that was 2009, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, try, and, I try and forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, you choose the story you want to share. Cause I was yeah. like, wow, that's really personal. That's really scary. I mean, I just, I think, you know, I think you wrote, what is it? 78% of the people in the United States don't have, they're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. That's the stats. It's pretty scary. Yeah. Agreed. And this is why I think, you know, what you're talking about is so essential, having the accountability because, you know, and and it sounds like I I remember in our first interview, I said, you know, how many things do you take on? So in this case, could it be the same thing where maybe you're aligning your 12 week year on specifically finances, you know, and you really just start taking those victim glasses off if you have them or just seeing how you can be more accountable and moving forward. Is is that a good strategy? I like it. Yeah. It, it, here's what will happen too. When you start to take ownership in one area, yeah. there's this kind of ripple effect Yeah, because it changes your mindset. And you that's when you start to notice, okay, wait a minute, I'm kind of being a victim in my relationships too, or it, with my health or whatever it may be. And yeah. so yeah, I'm starting focusing in one area um, does have this ripple effect to all the other areas too. So there's a real yeah. benefit to pick an area and it may not be the the area that's messed up the most. It may be the area you're willing to work on. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And also I feel like it gives you confidence, right? I mean, what you're talking about is building a sense of self, self-worth, self-respect, your ability to take ownership for yourself versus waiting for, there's nobody coming to save you. No. You no. know? 
right? right? And so, and then you build the momentum with that because you're making better choices, right? It's not immediate, but every time I do that, you know, it's, it's like compound interest early mm-hmm. on, there's no big deal, but pretty soon it starts to multiply yeah. and it multiplies in confidence in, in your self-image as well as the results. Absolutely. I, I love all of this. And um, one of the other chapters that I found really interesting, and I was like, this is probably what your coaching company's on right now, is you talk about how businesses and leaders, organizations hold their people accountable. And it's this was really an interesting shift. I was like, light bulb moment as I was reading it, but you say that this kind of management, and, and tell me if I've got this percentage right, but like, you know, 50% of the people won't give their all because they it, it doesn't work and you advise a better way and you talk about holding people capable. What is what does that mean? And and I just I found this fascinating because I, I think you're right. Most companies do operate with you know all these consequences and then people don't feel incentivized to work harder. Um, they just do the bare minimum just to get by because then they start resenting right. the environment. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so most companies do manage it's consequence management and, and, you know, so if you're performing well, it works because you're experiencing the positive consequences, but if you're struggling, what happens is the consequences are all negative. And what companies are trying to do there is they're trying to get positive behavior with a negative consequence, which is really, really difficult to get. Yes. <laughs> negative like consequence. parenting. It reminded me of parenting a bit. <laughs> it, it works in parenting too. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. Right. And so so negative consequences are good for stopping a behavior. So they're great in a scenario that safety might be related, yeah. right? Someone does something unsafe, we're going to create a negative consequence so they never do it again. But it doesn't mean that's going to be replaced with a positive behavior or a positive yeah. action. Right. And, and so that consequence model only goes so far. And, and most leaders don't even understand how positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, a punishment penalty even works. So, so they're dabbling in an area that, they haven't really been trained in. They're just doing what was done with them. Of course. And so what happens with those negative consequences when people are underperforming is, you know, it's really about, and we talk about, they talk about holding people accountable, which means let's go create a negative consequence when they don't do what we want them to do. And, yes. and the problem with that is it gets you minimum performance. Yes. It gets you just enough to stop the negative consequence, but you never get the discretionary effort because you never get ownership. Um, and, um, not only do you just get minimal performance, but you get collateral damage, you get, it damages the relationship. And so you get everything from passive resistance to outright sabotage <laughs> and, and good people will not stay in an environment like that. So, yeah. so what you're, you're essentially self-selecting for poor performers, and then you're doing everything you can to keep them per- from performing better. <laughs> yeah. It's a lose-lose proposition. Yeah, yeah that's not not. Yeah, so when we talk about holding someone capable, that sounds like semantics, but it's really fundamentally different in that um, it's very confrontive, but it's not confrontive with consequences. It's confrontive with freedom and freedom of choice. So when someone's underperforming, right, the recognition that you can't force them, and if you try and force them and, and manipulate them with consequences, that's where you get the collateral damage, the resentment, all that stuff. So. So really just a different way of approaching it, which is I'm going to confront them with the freedoms. They don't have to work here. <laughs> they can choose to work someone else. Doesn't make them bad, just right. makes them a bad fit. But if they're going to choose to work here, there are standards and levels of performance that they have to choose. So the burden's no longer on me as a leader. 
It's on the, it's on the performer, which is where it should be, <laughs> where it is naturally organically. And so it's a different way of interacting that really changes the relationship, changes um, the outcomes, changes the culture. Yeah. Well, you're going to have a lot of business ahead of you, I think, with this, because I really <laughs> thought it was really interesting. And I think a lot of leaders would embrace this so readily because they're going to see the challenges that they've had. And I don't know what's going on with the great resignation or what's prompting any of that. But, you know, people are just up and quitting. And, you know, maybe part of that is, you know, how they're being managed. I don't I don't know. I don't know if we know enough yeah. about that yet. Yeah, um, I mean, I I work with a group. They're in um, they're in staffing, and they said part of it is though the the baby boomers are finally retiring after the recession. They couldn't. Oh. Now with COVID, some of them got taken out anyways or down whatever, and now a lot of them are saying, "Hey, I'm done." So that is part of it. I don't know how much that factors in, but that is part of the labor shortage right now. Oh, that's interesting. I know a lot of times they, in, you know, managing employees, they talk about KPIs, key performance indicators. How mm-hmm. does like how does that factor into accountability? Or yeah, so, yeah, great, or great question. People capable, yeah. Right, so that's where the standards come in. So it's it's key as leaders to have very high standards. Mm. Um, but but the the other piece of that is getting the person, the performer, to own the standards. Because if they're your standards and they don't own them, guess what? They're going to struggle to hit them. Yes. So the conversations are about getting them to own them and what's it what's it mean to own something? Right. It doesn't. It does. Part of that is the recognition that I don't control the outcomes. But if I don't take ownership of it, the chance of me hitting it is very, very low. Mm. When I do take ownership, it doesn't guarantee I'm going to hit it, but it does guarantee I'm going to bring the best effort in doing that. And so again, different mindset yields different actions, different results. Yeah. I wonder with your, this, you know, this mindset shift, you know, holding people capable, would that start even with the interview process? you know, where you're setting a different expectation right from the get-go. So maybe then you're vetting before you even bring people in. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what, what the clients we work with, that's where we start. It's yeah. part of the process. Now, recognizing that, look, society, you know, really fosters the, the victim mindset. <laughs> so you're going to, it's rare when you run into somebody that they're going to come to you with that ownership mindset. But as you begin to talk about that in the interview process, um, the good performers find that refreshing. Yes, they do. And, and so it's one of these conversations. Look, I'm not going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold you capable. What does that mean? That means you've got a job to do. You've got standards to hit. You've got to own that, right? And when you're not yes. owning it, you're going to struggle. If you're struggling because you don't know how, that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. If you need help with stuff, that's why I'm here. But you've got to perform, which means you've got to own those standards, those levels of performance. And so I think the earlier you start to have those conversations, yeah. the more effective it is. hundred percent. I absolutely love everything you've shared in this book. I think everyone should get a copy because even whether personally or professionally of uncommon accountability, a radical new approach to greater success and fulfillment. Um, Brian, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share before we wrap up today? Anything you think is important for people to keep in mind? I, I think you hit most of it. I do I do think, though, that when you understand accountability for what it is, choice and ownership, it is probably the most empowering concept you have to live your best life. Mm. Um, and, and, and so, you know, shift that notion away from accountability's consequences Scrub that, scrub that language, scrub the notion because it's unproductive, right? Accountability is choice. It's ownership. Love it. I love it. Um, so grateful that you came back today. If people want to connect with you, learn about your company and the offerings, about the book, where, where should I direct them? Yeah. Um, they can go to 12weekyear.com. 
That's the digits one, two week year.com, or they can visit uncommonaccountability.com. Okay, great. Um, thanks for being back today, Brian. Congrats on your new book. And um, thank you for just turning on that light bulb now. I'm just really looking at everything I'm doing differently. And I hope that, and I know that the people listening will be thinking differently about the accountability that they have going on in their lives or the lack thereof. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.